This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Keep Screaming, a podcast where two best friends dissect horror movies one by one. My name is Ryan Larson. This is my co-host, B-Bass. Hello. Uh, so if this is your guys' first episode, welcome. We are a bi-weekly podcast that takes one slasher movie, and we go over every aspect of the film, including history. We try to go kill by kill. Um, there are definitely spoilers involved in every episode in detail. So if you don't want spoilers, go watch the movie and then come back. At the end of the episode, we rank the movies on our list, which you can find at our website, uh, keepscreaming.com, and it is keepscreaming.com slash the dash list. Um, so we rank all of those on a list. This will be our 17th movie, and we are trying to give you as much background as possible on the film while giving you our own insight uh, into it. You can find us, like I said, at our website, which is keepscreaming.com, uh, podpeople.me, which is our podcasting network um we are on twitter and instagram at ScreamingCast, and then you can always find us on apple podcast Castbox, and stitcher rate review subscribe if you can you can follow us personally on twitter as well uh i am at ryan larson and b is at b not b so b-e-e not b-e-a and that is your information download <laughs> Um, to kick off every episode, before we dive into the movie, we do a pop culture check-in so you guys can get familiar with what we have been watching outside of slashers, or even this week be Watch the Slasher. <laughs> it is our favorite genre for a reason. So, um, yeah, uh, we actually both watched a good amount of stuff this week, so I'll let B kick it off. Um, so I watched Night School from 1981 which is on Shudder. Shudder, yeah. Um, by Ken Hughes, who's like famous for doing Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and Casino Royale, but apparently the comedic one. Mm-hmm. I didn't know there was another one. Yeah. I'm not a James Bond watcher. Oh, the so. other one's really good. This one's okay. Chitty Chitty well, Bang Bang's really good, though. Yeah, apparently it's Ken Hughes and like five other directors for this for Casino Royale, which I thought was kind of weird. But anyway, anyways, Night School is a Boston police detective investigates a series of gruesome decapitations of various college co-eds committed by a helmeted, black leather-clad serial killer, which leads him to suspect a well-known anthropology professor as well as his female live-in assistant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like an American giallo. Yes. Um, like, a hundred percent. Isn't it filmed... Was it filmed in Boston? Uh-huh. Okay. I believe so. Okay. I mean, it takes place in Boston. Right, yeah. Um, but, like, literally gloved. The killer yeah. is not really, you know, revealed till the very end. Um, very soap opera-esque. Mm-hmm. Like, twists and turns. Very romance-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, it's super fun. Really good. And I love um, the decapitation motif that they keep throughout yeah. the film. Which yeah. I really a lot liked. of fun kills. Cool costume for mm-hmm. the killer. Um, just a lot of fun. Um, definitely like a solid thing that I saw like when I was looking it up on Twitter and stuff. People have been like requesting to get this to be able to see it for like years and years. So it's kind of cool. I didn't know about it until I think they talked about it on Shockwaves or Turek. 
Yeah, um, Tweeted about it, and I was like, oh, yeah, I got to watch this. So as soon as it went up on Shutter, I watched it. Really liked it. Definitely, I mean, right up any slasher fans like mm-hmm. Allie. Um, super good. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Um, last week I watched, or last week, a couple weeks ago, I watched A Killing of Sacred Deer, which I talked about. And so I went back and watched The Lobster by the same director, Yorgos Lanthimos, from 2015. Or... Super Greek. Uh-huh. The most Greek. Um, this one, like, I seriously love the plot of it so much. So, in a dystopian near future, single people, according to the laws of the city, are taken to the hotel, where they are obliged to find a romantic partner in 45 days or are transformed into beasts or animals of their choosing and sent off into the woods. Um, it's so fucking weird. It's really weird. So, I love the whole idea about it it's i mean totally dystopian making a lot of commentary about how we view um relationships and and being single in our society um all of that's great this one i mentioned i didn't really find uh sacred deer funny this one i was laughing a lot Mm -hmm. i definitely like got the humor a little bit more in this it's like super absurdist yeah, I just, I thought it was really funny. Um, I super liked it until the third act. And then it really, like, dropped for me. And it was almost, and it was definitely telling, like, a different story. Yeah. Um, which was fine. It was an, it was an okay story. I much preferred the first two acts. Um, so, I ended with a, and this one's way less horror. I think oh, yeah. Killing of a Sacred like Deer is sci-fi. like. sci-fi. Yeah. It's a dystopian yeah. sci-fi film. Colin Farrell's great in it though. Oh, he's so, yeah. Colin Farrell's in this one again. Um, so I did really like it. Rachel Weisz. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like her too and I forget about her. Yeah. Until she's, she's in yeah, something. Yeah, she'll just be in something. I'm like, oh, I like her Yeah, she's things. good. So yeah, I mean, I think he does a really good job at um, picking really great actors. Mm-hmm. So there's no doubt, and painted like a really interesting um, world. And I'm a fan of dystopian um, stories for sure. So he's a he's a really interesting director. Like it's exciting. Killing of Sacred Deer. I don't think it commercially did like great, but it did so well critically. Like he's definitely going to have more movies yeah and i think it was just such a it took what he did with like the lobster and really was like all right now i'm gonna like it's he seems to be getting better yeah and i'm excited to see what he does yeah and i also wouldn't mind if he used colin farrell again Uh, me either he's and he's drastically different in both movies too complete i mean same the uh line delivery is exactly the same in both films like the the style of being like really short and direct and mm-hmm. like not a lot of emotion to your dialogue. So that's similar, but the characters, I mean, worlds apart. Yeah. You don't even think of, I didn't make any association between the two characters at all. Yeah. Even though their dictation really is similar. I think Colin Farrell's really underrated. He gets overlooked a lot too. Agreed. Yeah. I loved him in True Detective and... In, in Bruges, if you guys haven't seen In Bruges, that movie's fantastic. In Bruges? Yeah, that's how it's it's spelled <laughs> B-R-U-G-E-S, so it's Bruges, but it definitely looks like Bruges. Bruges, every uh, time I say In Bruges. But that movie is great, and that one's really good too, because he's like full comedic chops in that, so loved it. Yeah, really good. Um, I finally reached season three of Dawson's Creek. Nice. I had to take a break in season two. I think I got like 15, 16 episodes into season two and I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta quit for a minute. Um, yeah, 
got past that. Season three hit, and it is like I discovered um, the first time I ever watched the show, and the only time is you know back when USA and TBS right. and TNT would play reruns, reruns of shows like this, just like Gilmore Girls and any One Tree Hill, um, any shows like teen shows like this they would get syndication rights to they'd play it and the amazing thing like pre-streaming is that they'd play an episode a day and they'd play them in order yep um and so the first episode i ever caught was actually like two or three into season three and then i started and then i had a tivo right and so i started recording it because i was like oh this show's cool i like it and then i old-fashioned binged it and watched um, one episode a day, Monday through Friday, until I went through the entire series. And then I just never started over. Right. It's the only time I've seen it. So I've actually never seen season one and two. But season three I love because it's definitely more, I, which is interesting because what I read is that this is uh, Kevin Williamson left this right. season, so mm-hmm. he's not involved. Um, and they definitely take it like pure high school. They kind of leave the parents alone, at least in this first half of season three. It's all about like pep rallies and football and yeah, um, way more high school orientated. And I, th- I love it. I think it. three is my it's Jen's hair is short, right? Yeah, I mean, or is it's it not super short? That's two where it gets super short. Oh, Michael Pitt is in it. Oh Michael yeah, Pitt okay, appears. I know. It's, yeah, yeah, I love it. It's okay. so good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anywho, it's awesome. Um, so I'm really like loving it and like getting really back into it. Um, I think season three is where it hits its stride. Yeah, it's it's hitting all the right teen soap mm-hmm. notes. It's found its footing. Two gets a little heavy. Uh, it is a with lot of parent drama, like yeah. the whole affair, and then it's like a lot of like religious debate, like a lot of religious. A lot of debate. that. A lot of like mental health talk with Andy's character, which yeah. is dated. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little hard to watch now a days um, yeah. with how they handle that. Um, so yeah. So if you find yourself, if anybody else is watching Dawson's Creek with me, if you find yourself struggling through season two, it gets better. Um, then Ryan and I both separately went and saw Upgrade by yes. Lee Wanal. Yes. Uh, with, if, if you don't know him, Lee is, um. Sidious 3. Yeah, he, I mean, he's a huge horror name. He created the Saw franchise with James Wan. His name just doesn't get mentioned as often, but mm-hmm. they created it together. And then he created, he's written all of the Insidious movies, I think, but only directed, di- directed three. the three, That's, the third one. His yeah. only dire- other directorial is Insidious. Yeah, so, um. He's a really interesting guy, uh, and it's just like crazy that someone was in it for so long, was in the game for so long before they decided to get in the director's chair, and then even then, like, and three did well, but it still took a while for him to make upgrade. So he's very, um, like, he puts, I think he like really works on his stuff, which I like, um, and then it's got Logan Marshall Green. So if you ever watch the OC, Logan Marshall Green is Ryan Atwood's brother True. after the first episode because the first yeah. episode is played by some random guy, which is very common in pilots. Yeah, um, but yeah, his brother Trey, who there's a very very famous OC scene where you know Trey sh- um, is shot. Yeah, Trey is shot, and SNL parodied it, and it became a meme and it went viral. But um, he's been a heartthrob for a long time for B and I both. Mm. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't see The Invitation... Oh, my God. One of my favorite films. Um, from, so like, good. two years ago, three years ago, with um, Karen... Uh, I should have looked her name up. It's the lady who actually directed Jennifer's Body. Um, 
Karen Kasama. Uh, that movie is fantastic. It was on Netflix for a while. You should. I, mean, I think it still it. is. I think it is. That movie is great. 2015. Um, he came back in that. It had Dude. like a like super hot man bun, like dirty man bun. Rocked it. Beard. His beard was fantastic. When this was getting promos, this like news article popped up, and that uh, you know header for the article was. Are people still trying to make Logan Marshall Green happen? And wow, did that make me so mad. So he gets, um, people somehow don't like that he looks like Tom Hardy. Like, hello, that should, that's great. He does look like Tom Hardy. A lot he kind of like acts him. like Tom Hardy he sometimes. He looks a lot like him. And because he's less famous, people think, He's, like, that, trying to be like him. Yeah, yeah, it's like, you can't fucking help if you look like somebody. So that really pisses me off, so it makes me want to support him even more because he is, like, a really... If you guys saw Devil, that elevator oh, yeah, movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's in that, so, which I really su- liked no, and I was like surprised too, when I yeah. watch it. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is way better than I thought it was going to be. He's done a, a quite a bit of genre work, mm-hmm. and he's excellent in everything. Yeah. And holy shit, Upgrade. Yeah. His performance in this movie, the movie in general, is just out of this world, fantastic, awesome. I've loved every second of it. It's super fun. If you like, I mean, it's very much in the vein of like RoboCop, um, like hardcore reminds, like a little bit of John, like it's like little RoboCop John meets Wick. John Wick. That's it what it the is. the Punisher. Yeah. Like very like vigilante, but like revenge. But like, sci-fi and horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just really fun. Uh, really brutal, really me. funny. Super funny. I was laughing a And lot. it's because of Logan Marshall yeah. Green's like, delivery on things and the way he's able... So the, the the basic plot, and like it's not a spoiler, you'll see it in the trailers. This... Oh, he has it. Br- brutal Mugging leaves Gray Trace paralyzed in the hospital. I hate his name, though. Um, paralyzed in the hospital and his beloved wife's wife dead. A billionaire inventor soon offers Trace a cure, an artificial intelligence implant called STEM that will enhance his body. Now able to walk, Gray finds that he also has superhuman strength and agility, skills he uses to seek revenge against the thugs who destroyed his life. Um, so he becomes a quadriplegic and he gets this thing implanted in him, STEM, that's like this AI in his head. And the... Like, the I think... Something that he will get, won't get any credit for is the physical humor in this. Um, but he often has to like really struggle because Stem will like turn himself off and he uses like loses all function of his body or like he chooses <sighs> to like turn it off. That's so funny. Um, so there's a lot of like really good f- physical gags yeah. in this, but he's it's very witty, like very banter based. Um, and he basically has Stem speaks to him, he has yeah. a voice, and so uh, he. Essentially, has to play two characters. Who voiced them? Do I don't you know. know. Did you look it up? I don't know. I'm look it up. Um, so he's basically playing two characters, him and Stem. Um, not. I mean, I was just really impressed by um, his ability to be so charming as this character, and yet so tell such a dark and uh-huh. fuck. I mean, it's just all over the board when yeah. it comes to storytelling. It's interesting because, like, I thought it was, it does, like, pull from a lot, but it still manages to be, like, original. hmm And the performances are really good. I mean, he's, like, easily the best in it, but the main bad guy in it was really good, too. Benedict Hardy as Fisk was really, like, creepy and good. Um, it's just a fun movie. Like, it's really just a fun, like, turn your brain off and enjoy. You don't have to think too hard. You'll, there's a couple twists that you probably, like, there's one twist you'll see coming and one you won't. 
Um, I think it sends... I mean, you could definitely, like, the action and, like, the gore and everything, you don't have to read too much into and you can have fun with. But I do think it is making some interesting um, critique and giving you some ideas about our role with technology. Oh, yeah, definitely. um, No, if you wanted to, you could get real deep with this movie. But you can definitely just It gives you a lot. Yeah. You can enjoy it at a base level or a deep level. Yeah. Uh, but definitely worth checking out. And if you haven't seen it, again, The Invitation is also worth checking out. I think he's hotter in The Invitation. But Upgrade's a better movie. Upgrade's a, I love well, me some Upgrade's long not hair. even a better movie. It's Upgrade's a more fun movie. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, Invitation probably top bad. horror movie of that year for sure. Yeah. I loved great. The Invitation. Yeah, I keep. Ho- I hope so. that he keeps getting used yeah. because he's really, really fun. Um, and if he like stays with horror, that'd be great. Um, I watched a couple flicks. Uh, like B said, I went and saw Upgrade. Um, I watched, for some reason, the 2018 Death Wish movie with Bruce Willis, directed by Eli Roth. Uh, I know Eli Roth is, like, a douchey bro guy. I mean, that's, like, the persona he gives off. And like also him. the, like, what you hear about him. But I've always enjoyed... I really like I Captain like Fever. I like his movies. Yeah, I like I Captain don't Fever. Um, and I liked... Um, What's the other one he did? Oh, um, Knock Knock. No, I did not like Knock Knock. He did another Green one. Green Inferno. Maybe. Now I have to look him up too. His um, cameo in Piranha. I love his cameo in Piranha, and I love his bit in um, Inglorious Bastards. I, I mean, he's great in both of those. Oh, he presented a movie called The Stranger that I really liked. Um, he didn't make that one though. Um, oh, and Hustle he, is okay. He it, produced the Last Exorcism movies which i thought were good he's produced oh a lot yeah of stuff. yeah yeah um and his bit thanks uh thanksgiving for um grindhouse was great yeah. uh but this movie is not good it's just it there's no there's like two parts in it where you're like you see roth's like stamp on it but other than that it's just like the most paid by the numbers super generic remake Bruce Willis like sleepwalks through this thing. It's it's so... yeah. I heard that it's like Bruce Willis. It's like they're just like okay, like, dude. He can't play this role anymore. No. You guys need to like his his range of emotion is gone. Like there's his like his wife is murdered and he's like so cardboard about it. And I just was like I can't do this. Um, and then even when he's like killing, there's like. I don't know. It was just, there was like, it's just very bland. Um, I watched When a Stranger Calls Back, which is, uh, so there was, if you ever seen the movie When a Stranger Calls with Camilla Bell, or that is a remake. There is an original movie. Well, this is a sequel for the original movie. Um, not the Camilla Bell one. Not the Camilla Bell one. So this one was a made-for-TV sequel in 1993 starring Carol Kane from... Um, she's most famous for Taxi, but she's also in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. She dated Andy Kaufman. Um, Gotham. She's in Gotham? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, yeah, sure. I quit that show. So, I quit that show. So early on. Um, it was super... Ben McKenzie. It was super fun. Uh, I did not expect to give a crap about this movie, and it's, like, really weird and, like... It's on Amazon, yeah? yeah. I keep seeing it. There's, like, this scene where the guy who, this like, the stranger, it, he, because, like, the big thing, I mean, he's calling, but the big thing is, like, he's breaking into the apartments in this one, and, like, there is a scene where he paints himself to look exactly like one of the character's walls. 
Um, and he's wearing like little like, thong underwear so that it's like paint and like he's basically all, uh, Hunger making... Games. Yeah, but like I mean, her walls like black brick with like plants and stuff, and mm-hmm. he paints himself to look like the brick and the plants. It's a little pita. Yeah, or um, uh, that Gaudier video. Um, oh yeah. So it, I actually in in like the the first scene too, like the opening scene is legit super tense like really really tense like made me uncomfortable watching it so i was very surprised by this movie uh then i also watched the burbs uh because elric from shockwaves and also his other podcast pure cinema podcasts and his co-host there brian sauer talk about this movie all the time and i'd never seen it somehow tom hanks uh joe dante directed really super fantastic movie um it's a suburban comedy where basically like it's about this like small little cul-de-sac where tom hanks is pretty much kind of bored with his like suburban lifestyle so him and his like neighbor friends start kind of looking for things to get excited about and they start thinking that his next door neighbors are maybe vampires or maybe like murderers or so all these crazy things are happening and if you watch it you'll instantly realize like so many other movies have lifted themselves off of this um but it's really super good and like kind of kind of dark humor but it it might be my favorite tom hanks um and i'm not a huge tom hanks fan Mm -mm. he's always been like i really like him as a person like he seems like super nice and cool yeah you know him yeah we're friends we hang out i really like his son yeah, Colin, you love Colin I Hanks. I love yeah. Colin Hanks. No, and I, I mean, I, I like him. He, I mean, he, of course, he's Woody, so I'll love him forever for that, for Toy Story. He ain't no Buzz. Uh, that's true. Buzz is a better character. Um, but I think it is yeah, my favorite I mean, version of him. Listen to us fucking knock Tom Hanks. I know. Like one God. of the most. <laughs> the most, like, yeah, decorated, celebrated beloved actors. actors of I love time. Forrest Gump, okay? Yeah, so me too. There yeah. we go. There's and I also really love Catch Me If You Can, so there we go. Um, cool. So those were our movies. We both watched, well, B watched three and uh, Dawson's Creek, and I watched four. So pretty oh, even this week. Oh, I also watched Kimmy Schmidt oh. all, the whole season. Was um, it any good? Yeah. So way better it's than way last better than, Way better than last, last season. Because last season was rough. Oh, it was rough. I quit. Like, I got, like, I got two through... episodes in, and I was like, this is bad. So I saw that the new season, uh, season three? Four. Four, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I saw season four was up, and I realized that I still had like an episode and a half of season three, and I was like, oh. So I finished that. This season was hella good. It's only six episodes. Oh, though. okay. And so I like blew through it, and I was like, all right. And fucking busy Phillips was oh, in the. In it? Oh my god! I almost. They have two two Dawson's Creek show. when she appeared. I mean. I love her, you guys, so much, and I'm, like, feeling very um, hipster about her lately. Like, I feel like I'm being a hipster because... You're like, I've loved her forever. I've loved her forever, and now she's she got, like, super famous recently for her Instagram stories because she's an awesome person. Right. And just great. If you don't follow her on Instagram, follow her and watch her stories because you'll fall in love with her, just like the rest of the world. She got offered a late-night talk show called Busy Late... Busy Tonight... And now the whole world's going to know about my babe. Anywho, it's great. Cougar Town, Dawson's Creek, Freaks and Geeks. Now Kimmy Schmidt. Um, She's wonderful and she appears um, 
and with Carol Kane, she has, like, that's who she interacts with in the last episode. And so I think she's going to be a regular for the last half of It's Over. So six episodes for oh. this season, and then I think six next season, that's it. Show's okay, over. gotcha. And so I think she's going, I know she's filming it right now. Anywho, man, it was really good. So if you had a hard time in the last season of Kimmy Schmidt, which I think most of us did, mm-hmm. um, I've seen the first season like four or five times. The first season's so good. It's so good. Um, second season I liked too, or I liked as well. Um, you know um, what bugs me on that show? It's fucking what's her face. You don't like her in general. Jane Krakowski. Yeah, yeah. I like Jane Krakowski. I don't, I don't like Titus. It's, Titus also annoys me. No, that show has... But he's this, better in this That season. show ran into the same problem 30 Rock did, but at a, like, hyper-accelerated rate, which is... And it's they're both Tina Fey shows, so I think it's a little bit what she does if she's given something in long form. She creates these characters that are really funny because they're, like, caricatures. Yeah. But then they become caricatures of themselves, and I'm like, oh, I can't, like, take you seriously anymore because, like, Titus is, like, so Titus. I'm like, yeah. oh, my, reel it back. That's why I had to quit. That's why I barely got through the last season of 30 Rock because of that. Because Tracy and Jenna. Tracy became Tracy. Yeah. They drove me nuts. Yeah. Titus drives me nuts, but he's better this season. They they reel him in. That's good. Um, And I like um, whatever whatever her face is. Her name is hard. Jane Krakowski? Krakowski? Yeah, it's Krakowski because it's always kind of like Krasinski. I was going to say it's like Krasinski. Oh, I saw A Quiet Place. That movie is super amazing. I'm not going to, I won't go like way into it. I don't know anything about it. It is the most tense movie experience I've ever had and I watched it on not a theater screen. So, insane. Um, The movie we're covering this week is, we're going back into the 80s. I know we were staying away from it for a little bit, but we... Wanted to kick off some the uh, summer officially starts in five days, so yeah. we wanted to kick off summer with a movie that we both love, that we both also feel is very summer inundated, mm-hmm. and that is 1981's The Burning. Um, so The Burning is incredibly, it's like it's it's like to me, right on the precipice of being super famous. Mm-hmm. Like it's like almost Halloween and Friday, but it's not. But as soon as you become a slasher fan, when you're like. When you reach out to people and you're like, oh man, what's a good slasher? Like, the Burning. Like, yeah. It's like, the I've, burning. Se- I've seen all of Nightmares. I've seen all the Fridays. The what burning. do I see? It's like The Burning. It's the first one I saw after Same. I like burned through like Halloween and all those. It's when like you start this getting into horror, that's and My funny. Bloody Valentine are yeah. like the first ones that like pop in Black Christmas. So those ones all pop up right around the same time yeah. as like, these are the ones you need to watch. Um, I don't watch it a lot because I... You, it's we don't, don't own it. Yeah, and it's hard. It's, to it, get. it is hard to find, but also like I don't want to. Like I don't have the urge. It, to me, it's not as rewatchable as something as like it hasn't aged very well. Yeah, and so it, it's also just like it's not as rewatchable as like Halloween. There's something about Halloween and the Fridays, like the camp of the Fridays and the like masterclass of Halloween that make them a little more rewatchable. I don't even think Friday, like, you have so many to pull from, Mm -hmm. which is what makes Friday rewatchable. But I think if it was just Friday the 13th, I don't think it's any more rewatchable than this is. Definitely not the first one. Yeah. I don't care for that movie very much at all. (laughs) Uh, It's my least, like, one of my least favorites other than Jason X. 
the synopsis is a caretaker at a summer camp is burned when a prank goes tragically wrong after several years of intensive treatment at a hospital he is released back into society albeit missing some social skills what follows is a bloody killing spree with the caretaker making his way back to his old stomping ground to confront one of the youths that accidentally burned him um so it's kind of it's well it's very much in vein of the slashers of the era i mean it's pretty much a street knockoff it's friday. a friday knockoff 100 yeah. percent. friday yeah. came out in 80 this is 81 um yeah may 8th of 81 yeah. so like right right at the beginning of summer um I we're gonna preface this. Yeah. So this movie, B and I love this movie, and a lot of slasher fans love this movie. Um, it is the first movie that Harvey and Bob Weinstein produced. Uh, it, it jump started their careers. It made the Miramax. Mm-hmm. Um, Harvey produced it. He's titled as the creator um, because it is he wanted. He wanted to get into the business, and he knew a horror movie would get him in because it was big at the time. So he's titled as Creating the Burning. Yeah. Um, Bob is the writer. Uh, the writer. The screenwriter. Screen it's the only script he ever wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, he barely wrote it. I, I want. I would. I would say if you like were to find a script somewhere, it's like framework probably. Um, and B and I were trying to figure out because we hate. <laughs> Harvey Weinstein. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a vile scumbag. He's a piece of shit. We don't want anyone to think that we endorse him or like are okay with what he has done or how he has acted or any of that shit because he is, to me, pretty much like bottom feeder, like just an awful, one of the worst humans in like the industry and also just in general. Uh, the way he has abused his power for fucking decades mm-hmm. um i mean he started the me too movement is because of the the harvey weinstein case um so we did want to like at least we're not going to just gloss over it no. and like not mention it because it does do something when you watch this knowing that i think it makes some of the scenes particularly icky <laughs> a lot of them because uh, um. there's some forceful man on woman stuff in this which like but it's hard because it's the 80s mm-hmm. that happened a lot in these movies so but because you have this knowledge mm-hmm. you think of that in the back of your head and mm-hmm. i think what kind of brian and i agree on and we're not going to cement our thoughts in this and not say that our thoughts might change or that we might you know have p- opinions that differ um but i think we're at the consensus that um we are very happy that he has been exposed mm-hmm. and can no longer um, make movies mm-hmm. and put use his power to um, take advantage of women and, and other people in general. Mm-hmm. Um, however, he does have these films, um, some of our favorite films. I mean, what, Harvey in particular has touched some of the most wonderful and iconic movies of all time, including Scream. Um, which Clerks. is, uh, yeah, I'll just really, if you look at the movies that he's been a part of, there's some spectacular films in there mm. and that's really unfortunate. Um, but we're very glad he can't make movies any longer. Yep. No amount of talent. Um, I don't need his movies. I don't need, I don't need anything from him if it means that's how he's going to behave. Um, there's a lot, unfortunately there's, um, quite a few figures in horror um roman polanski with rosemary's baby which is regarded as 
probably one of the greatest horror films of all time. Um, I think what really has solidified this is that um, with the Jeepers Creepers uh, director... Victor Salva. Victor Salva. Um, this issue really got brought up a lot because he's still making movies, um, yeah. even though he was convicted and went to jail for... Um, molesting a child Mm -hmm. and a child on the set of of one of his movies Mm -hmm. and he is uh yes he did serve his time but he has been able to continue to make movies and that movie would be jeepers creepers 3 yep um so that i'm if harvey weinstein came out next year and said i'm going to be a part uh, i'm going to make scream 5 i would not watch that movie um i will no longer support anybody who has been um convicted or anything that has come not even convicted come forward and there's been accusations against them i will no longer support them um but i will um continue to go back to their previous work and understand that it will be harder to love but that it does exist and we can't ignore that right but they should no longer be able to make movies so we're going to difference yes (laughs) and we are going to so we are judging this from a movie like um, because one of the hardest things I think with all of this that always happens is, and you'll even see like a lot of actors come out and directors come out like, don't like, it's hard because those, there are this director and this composer and these actors still worked really hard on this thing that has become, especially in like our circle, like the burning has become such a big thing. It's a cult classic. It is a, it is a favorite amongst most slasher fans and like i think you see that a lot um where people who do come out are like don't punish these people like they were doing they were unaware and they were just doing their job um uh you know like they still worked really hard on like making this film so we are going to do our best to judge this movie from the the aspects we always judge our movies which is how is it directed how is the score how does it work as a slasher um but we did want to at least acknowledge um, in case you guys were wondering, like, um, because we know there are going to be so, mo- like, they're going to, unfortunately, there are just going to be a ton of movies that uh, come into our scope that are Miramax or Weinstein Company or have the Weinsteins involved. But this one in particular, because it it's so has their fingerprints so heavily Im- imprinted on it, we wanted to at least acknowledge it and let you guys know that we are aware um, and, like, what our thoughts on that are. So now you know. Uh, it was very small budget. Um, one point. Yeah. Well, I guess the eighties. That's is not a small budget. Not super uh, well, small. Not compared to some of the movies where it's like two hundred thousand right. dollars. that was yeah. made. One point five million, and it made seven hundred. About. Well, it's complicated. So it made seven hundred thousand when it first came out in May of eighty one, but it came out. Uh, same time as Friday the 13th Part 2 and Happy Birthday to Me. Literally, like, the same week I think they came out. Um, it also opened up at in, like, limited release, basically. Um, so that didn't help those two movies, like, it being behind those two movies. And Friday the 13th coming out and the year before, Slashers. I mean, I think we've already covered a few in 1981. Slashers were fucking massive. Yeah. Um, this was the time. So 
Friday the 13th Part 2, which is very similar to this movie, um, Happy Birthday to Me, Final Exam, The Fan, Graduation Day, all were released in this time period. They re-released Texas Chainsaw Massacre um, at this time, all in this like spring-summer section of 81. Super oversaturated. Did not help this movie. They re-released it in 82, made more money in the U.S. again, they released it under the title, like, Cropsy, and then they released it again under um, something, Camp something. Um, none of these were really documented. They just know this happened. Um, when it got released in 82 again, it made, like, another 200000 In Japan, it made a million. So it, the box office number of 700000 is, like, kind of hard to track. They haven't been able to really tell how much movie they made. They just know that Japan alone made up for its budget. Got it. I was going to so, say, so probably at least recouped its budget. It, it was a success, but after some work. Gotcha. Um, it suffered from oversaturation. 100%. That happens a lot. Yeah. Especially with... Anything that becomes like, I mean, the slasher trend, and then again, the slasher trend of the 90s. Mm-hmm. So, anything, um, I mean, found footage, holy crap. Yeah. Like any niche genre, once it be, it's like, once people realize, like, holy crap, people like this, okay, we can make a bunch of these for cheap, um, then it's bound to happen. Well, and my favorite thing is that when I was reading about how they would re release it at the same time, they just had it out under two names to trick people into seeing it more than once. Because you could get away with doing that back then. You could literally have a movie called Cropsy and have a different poster and then have... Recut your trailer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not even. You don't even recut the trailer. You just have it playing in the theaters and people go see it. So weird. So it's just such a different time. I find that really fascinating. Uh, 86% on Rotten Tomatoes, so critically did well. Um, in well, like, with like six reviews. Oh. So, uh, I mean... But... Yeah. But like we were, we were saying earlier too... It's very well regarded in the horror mm-hmm. circles as, um, because it is, it is like this Friday knockoff, but it's a good Friday knockoff. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, it's kind of like, like when you get into the nineties, two thousands, um, like when you look at Scream and you're like, oh, and I know you did last summer on Urban Legend because those are good knockoffs. So yeah. it's very much in like the vein of that. Um, and then also it was kind of like this American Giallo feel, which was different and interesting, um so i think a lot of people connected it was it became a cult classic because it's one of those things that like takes a while for you to fully appreciate um or especially like because of the era it came out in i think like these horror fans that were becoming horror fans at the time it took a long time to either see this movie or find this movie or even to maybe come back to it and be like oh look look at what it did yeah didn't get released on dvd till 2007 wow um so i think scream put it out scream factory put it out on blue yes they did but it's all out of print print. yeah so it's again hard to find um i think i originally watched it maybe like a netflix dvd rental probably how i watched it Um, i I, know i watched it streaming i think it was streaming on netflix Netflix at some point Mm -hmm. but when they used to have a ton of horror titles which they don't like oh seven i think is when i saw this um and now we i mean if you guys don't have the Blu-ray or the DVD, um, we watch on YouTube. Yep. Um, so I hate watching movies that way. It's also not very good quality. Um, yeah, it says it's a Blu-ray rip. It's not. Nope. I mean, it probably is the Blu-ray rip, but it's not uh, HD nope. when you watch it. So yeah. it's pretty low quality. 
Um, this sounds kind of all over the place, but uh, if you want to see it, and we, you know, we love people to watch this. Um, that's kind of the only way to stream. You it can find point. it for okay prices used on Amazon, um, yeah. like the blue. Uh, but that's if you want to watch it right now. Yeah. Yeah, YouTube. Unfortunately. Uh, All Movie gave the film positive review, writing, with deliberate pacing and shocking scenes of full-on gore, the burning delivers on the creep-out levels. It would probably be better regarded if not for the boom of familiar flicks that came out after this release. So pretty much just stating exactly what B said, like, would probably be much bigger if it hadn't been behind all these other movies of the era. Which is funny because when I li- besides F-13-2... Uh, happy birthday to me, final exam, graduation day. None of those have had the lasting power that the burning has. Mm-mm. So um, I, I think this has a uh, definitely aged better in a way. Um, the poster is awesome. It is really I awesome. love this poster. Uh-huh. It's illustrated, right? I'm a... Yes, it's, you're it's, the one who knows the terms. It's illustrated. Yeah, it's illustrated. You see Cropsy in the background with his shears, and um, instead of being able to see its head, of course, uh, you have like a sun rays beaming out, and you've got like the forest and Clamp, Camp Blackfoot behind him, which is really great. And then you have the two camp counselors, um, Todd and Michelle. Yeah, I think Todd and Michelle, um, and they're like having a love scene in the water, which doesn't happen in the movie, but I like that it's the two camp counselors, and mm, look at those arms. So nice. Um, I just, it's so soft, uh, or paperback. <laughs> oh, yeah, super, super So paperback, paperback like, like, horror novel. Like, so much uh, of, especially of the just any, 80s. like, yeah, soft no, that's, porn yes, romance. Yeah, soft core porno romance, yeah. yeah. Except, like, this guy with shears coming yeah. down on them. So, yeah, ignoring fucking Gropsy in the background, this is 100% something that my grandma would have been, like, reading. And yes. I'd be like, oh. My uh, my mom calls those Sex on the Frontier books. Sex on the Frontier. Fantastic. <laughs> really great. It's got the taglines. It has two of them. A Legend of Terror is no campfire story anymore. And The Burning, it will take you further than fear. Um, the tagline explained Cropsy is an, actually an urban legend. Yep. Um, in New York, um, he is like a maniac that stalks kids in the woods. Essentially... Like stalks kids in the woods if you don't behave. Like he's Cropsy's, a boogeyman. Yeah, Cropsy's yeah. gonna get you. It's a boogeyman to you know try and get kids to behave. But super was really big in like Boy Scouts and like Jewish summer camps. Mm-hmm. So that's where like the, the legend of Cropsy got big. There was actually a documentary about it in two thousand seven, I think. Yeah, it's really good if you haven't um, seen yes. the Cropsy documentary. It's it is super very good. good. And his fo- that director's follow up was called Urban Legends, was also really yeah. good. So that is why the tagline. So I like the tagline for that reason. Mm-hmm. A legend of terror is no campfire story anymore because it is about the urban legend coming true. Um, It'll so, take you further than fear is very generic horror tagline. Yeah. Um, I love this poster because it feels like summer. It does. Like it's it. It the, feels hot. It does. The col- like, like the colors. The colors yeah. are kind of like those warm like. Oh, what colors do you see, Ryan? Uh, y- yellow. Uh-huh. Uh Red ish, mm-hmm. like a yeah. red ish. Um orange uh green green the trees are green i can see green i'm colorblind leave me alone um but like it feels it feels like sweaty like this like it does like you feel like you're at camp and i like that about like mm-hmm. i love 
the even just like the the outline of Cropsey's shadow in the water, like over the over the counselors. I'm I think it, it's a them. very effective poster. Yeah, it's beautiful, super '80s horror, um, but in general, just really well designed. The typography is nothing to get excited. It, it reminds me of like Fahrenheit. Um, four fifty one. Yeah, four fifty one. How it has like the title case the and then the um, all caps burning. Uh, it's fine. It's got this like weird flame like boxed around it. Not very good. Um, don't love it as like a logo type, but whatever. Can't be too picky. The poster is beautifully illustrated and composed. Um, the like right aligned tagline next to them sucks. I don't like that. Um, it distracts from the yeah. rest of the poster. So uh, ignore those. Ignore the typography. It's beautifully illustrated. Um, the sequel, no sequels. Nope. Nothing. The Weinsteins went on to bigger and better things. Yep, they got pretty big after um, this. So, uh, so the score was done by Rick Wakeman. And if that name sounds familiar to you, um, it's because he's like the keyboardist for Yes, um, which is like a prog rock, like a very famous yeah, prog rock band. Yeah. Um, he also like had a kind of side solo career um worked with david bowie a ton um if you are like into music at all like you know rick wakeman's name like mm-hmm. he's a legend at uh, as a keyboardist 100 percent. um i used to i worked in a record store for many many years and i used to sell a lot of um his stuff i will so he did work on a couple films so he's a very famous Yes is a big band. Obviously, David Bowie is an iconic musician. Um, if you're into music, you're going to know Rick Wakeman's name. But then he was into sort of the genre, and he did Creepshow 2, um, Crimes of Passion. And then when they re-released Phantom of the Opera in the 90s, he did um, an album to go with it. That's cool. Um, yeah, so that's cool. I don't love his score in the movie, it's... When I listen to it outside of the movie, I like it more. Yeah. I don't think it was implemented well in the film. It, It's interesting. I was like listening. I and think, that might be a time thing. I think it does do a good job of what we often talk about, like where, like, it does a pretty good job of building to the kill. It does. Like, those parts are super effective, but I agree with, it doesn't fit, he's... I mean, he's kind of, like, like you said, and, you know, he's a prog rock keyboardist, mm-hmm. like, and it sounds like prog rock keyboard music, yeah. so it doesn't fit super well. I think some of it works, like, if this movie had taken place, like, I feel like in New York, where the opening scenes mm-hmm. are, it probably would have worked a lot better, because it kind of has that, like, underbelly New York kind Feels of feel. more urban. It does. Um, and less. Not summer campy so, at all. have you seen Deliverance? <laughs> yeah, a long time ago. Okay, so I watched this with one of my best friends, Derek, um, and my husband. We watched it last night, and there's a canoeing scene, and they're playing banjo music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, Derek started laughing. He's like, what deliverance come out? And I was like, and him and Ben were like arguing about it, and Ben's like, I don't know, like late 80s. 
And Derek's like, no way. Like, definitely didn't come out in the late 80s. Height of Burt Reynolds? Got to be, like, late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, so it's mid-70s. Okay, yeah. Um, I think early, 73 or something. And he's like, oh, and he's like, that's why the banjo's playing. And I was like, why? Because I haven't seen Deliverance. Oh, it's like a super famous scene. And he's like, yeah, it's a really, like, they play band, like, this scene happens. This is, like, a tribute to that scene. I was like, oh. So I love when you get to watch movies with people who have, I mean, Derek and I had very different. uh, Drastically different. Film. Uh, knowledge. <laughs> yes. We like what we watch is very different, um, and so I would never know that. I I've heard of Deliverance, but I've never seen it. You will eventually, uh, I'm sure. and I will eventually watch it. Um, but it was one of the I would have never picked up on that reference. I did think it was weird though because the the title credits, which I'd like to talk about, because. A graphic designer, if you guys didn't know, that is a role of a graphic designer to do the title credits in a film. That is, I got trained on that. I have made title credits. Um, They're usually not a thing at this point, really. Um, They were, like, Hitchcock uh, made them really big working with Saul Bass. And then they were in some films, but horror films, it was usually, like, Helvetica, all caps, typeset, um, left aligned, that's it. Um, real, not a lot of thought put into it. But I did see, like, banjo music. Like, literally, in the beginning, it said banjo music. And I was like, that's weird that that brought out. So, always fun to watch movies with pe- with other people who might pick up on things that you never would. So, I thought that was cool. Um, I think the score overall is good. I think it is weird sometimes in the movie. I think you're right. It does a better job of building than most movies of this time. Yes. Um, where it lacks is the non, (laughs) the non-suspenseful scenes Uh that feels really out of place. Yeah. And then sometimes when they're presenting you with things, like it's like do 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 do. Oh, there's some. Um, like here's something. Here's something. Here's something. And the music got kind of like. Oh, all right. There were some parts, though, that I really liked. Like, there's a part where, like, um, the shears get stuck in a tree and, like, the score is happening. But, like, and then it drops and then he pulls them out and it just goes, like, it makes, like, like that classic noise. But it's literally just when the blade moves. So he made some interesting decisions. Yeah, but Um, also, this is not what he does. He doesn't compose films. Yeah, it doesn't compose. I mean, they, it's kind of a big deal that he composed this. So, um, overall, I think, like B said... This is probably one of those scores that you'd want to listen to outside of the movie yeah. and enjoy. And it is available on vinyl. It got re-released. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, director was Tony Malum. Did not do a lot of movies. He was actually very well known for um, documentaries, especially bands, like music documentaries. Well, in sports. Mm-hmm. So he did one about uh, one of the Olympic Games, and it actually won like a ton of awards. And before that, he did one on like a hockey team. Um, then he made a deal with like a TV company and, and did like, you know how, if you watch TV, there'll be like documentaries and and he did like a sports edition, one of that. And so very, uh, big career. It's weird. What was it? Was it the terror train guy or the, um, my bloody Valentine director who also was like into documentaries? Was it, I think my bloody Valentine, didn't he do like a documentary about birds? Yeah. 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 yeah, Like the Canadian. Canadian. Yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, he was a British guy. I wonder if that inspired him at all. I, I, I need to... So one day we'll... I mean, we did cover Bay of Blood last episode, which is a giallo. And we want to do more giallos. And if you don't know what a giallo is, it's basically an Italian slasher movie 
but like there's very specific things like the killer it's like the always pov they're usually wearing gloves um there's a lot of things in this that, that ring true to those like a pov yeah um, you don't see cropsy until maybe the last five minutes of the movie five six minutes of the movie most of the shots are his hands just like his hands with like the um shears in them with gloves with on. gloves on you don't actually yeah see his hands. um there's tons of pov in this movie like cropsy's pov mm-hmm. um so there is a lot of stuff that is very giallo and I'd be interested to know, like, if he, because of being more, like, influenced European. by European, yeah. um, if that had anything to do with it. Um, it's written by Bob Weinstein and Peter Lawrence. It's Bob's only writing credit, mostly um, executive. Um, and then Peter writes horror novellas. I didn't look into this at all, so. Uh, Has yeah. he written anything big? No. no, I mean big in his world, but, like, he does, like, a Frankenstein series. Like, horror novellas, I think... Some focused on, like, younger audiences. Um, so, kind of cool. Like, he's just a novelist. Yeah. Um, Tom Savini did the special effects on this. Um, and you can tell because it's Tom fucking Savini. And he's just one of the goddamn best. Oh, my God. He's so good. And so he was, I think it's in the Scream Factory Blue. He was interviewed for it. And he actually is very disappointed with uh, how Cropsy looks because he had three days to do it. Tight budget and literally three. And if you hear that, like, I'm sorry. I think fucking Cropsy looks awesome. awesome. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And he, oh, I'm just, I follow Tom Savini on Instagram and I he's just him. amazing. And he's always just like tinkering around and doing things. And he's such a, like, it seems like the cool, he's the, always got like uh, his grandkids. Yeah. Like, oh, and he's like, like oh. so passionate. Like, and like, I mean, just really paved the way for like, this era of horror um and yeah i agree with you like i so i watch this with my wife who doesn't watch a lot of horror movies with me she will only watch the slashers because like ghost movies freak her out and when cropsy finally popped up she was like what the fuck she's like he's scary looking mm-hmm. he doesn't and, need a mask yeah and i was like i know he's like he's legitimately creepy looking yeah. um and so it's three days tom savini really yeah that's amazing i know um and like i like it's not it's i mean you can tell that it was rushed too because there are some things that you you watch and you're like oh this was rushed but like the fucking scene where he cuts his hands, hands off, off and his blood's that's out. that's one of my favorites like so it's good. gotta be in there and then the scene where like um the pov of the shears through the neck onto the tree so good there's just like so much cool like really innovative stuff for like the, if you were to see it like if this were to come out now it's no big deal but like back then i mean 81 yeah, mo- so and what you see and what we watched on youtube and what we've seen previously uh is full it was cut this movie was extremely cut down yeah um when originally released oh yeah like so and that all got easily restored um mm-hmm. when it came out even on dvd yeah so i don't even think you can find a, ver- a cut version maybe but anything that's been officially released has been the full version, um, which we're very lucky for because movies like My Bloody Valentine, that's very hard to find, the uncut version. Mm. You're mostly or Silent stuck. Night, Deadly Night yeah. was You're, like had a lot of stuff yeah. that was cut from it. And like they didn't, that never got restored or they didn't have the originals and that's not true with this one, which is great. But it's it's gory as all hell. 
Oh, yeah, it's brutal. Uh, um, it is very brutal. Like, I, I kind of forgot how violent it was. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's always, a, a like, a system shock, too, I think, when you go back to a movie because we're so inundated with violence and, like, seeing it. And, like, like we just talked about Upgrade is, like, a super hyper-violent movie. Uh-huh. Uh, but that came out this year. And, like, so when you go back to 81 and you see something, you're like, oh, shit, like, I forgot how brutal and, like, how still effective it is. And, like, there are certain things. It's almost like since the effects weren't as refined it makes it more crude like the scene in the beginning where he kills the hooker and he's just fucking god yeah and he's like just twisting it around in her abdomen and it's like like bleeding out of of her mouth yeah Yeah. um so there's some things where i think the crudeness helps like helps it keep its impact also i think it's widely widely known that imitating burns is one of the hardest things for any makeup or special effects artist to do Mm. doesn't matter what genre and even the hospital scene where he reaches his arm out, yeah. like it's so good. Yeah. Tom Savini is a master, and we are all lucky to be able to see his work. Absolutely. And especially yeah. in this film. And it's he turned awesome. down uh, Friday the 13th Part 2 to do yes. this, which is crazy. Yes. Um, the cast is huge. There are so many campers. It's massive. Uh, I could go over this. We're not going to. No. There's some standouts. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jason Alexander, who is very, very, very famous uh-huh. as George Costanza from Seinfeld, is in this with a full head of hair. Yeah. Which is very alarming. <laughs> I think that's Derek's first reaction. He's like, he's got hair. <laughs> it's very weird to see him. And like, it's not fake hair. It's super weird because you like expect it to be fake hair. No, he's just very young in this. Yeah. Um, so he's got a full head of hair in it. This is one of his standout, like early standout roles. I think it might be his first, mo- definitely his first film credit. Um, it's Holly Hunter's first time yes. on film. And she doesn't play, I don't even think, no, she speaks, I mean, maybe, but she's, she's a not minor character. Jason Alexander minor. at least, like, has. He's a main character. Yeah, he is in it for quite a bit, has a lot of speaking roles. She barely pops up. Um, yeah. Obviously has gone on to become massively successful. Yes. Golden Globe winner, uh, highly decorated, been in fantastic things. Recently, The Big Sick. Um, yeah, oh, she was you so know. good in that. Uh, she, Holly Hunter is great. Um, I'm also one of those actresses I kind of forget about. And then you see her and you're like, God, she's so good. But everybody knows she's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. there is one other guy in here and I, Fisher Stevens, who plays Woodstock, has gone Um, on. You'll, you'll recognize him. He is a bit player in a lot of things. Like he'll show up as like. Unfortunately, he's in short circuit. He is? Yeah, he's in brown face in short circuit. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's like Fisher Stevens, a controversy now is that he was put into Brownface in Short Circuit to play an Indian man. Yeah. And funny enough, uh, Kamal, who directed and wrote The Big Sick, talked about how he saw Short Circuit as a kid and thought he was brown. And right. was so yes. happy that he saw somebody he recognized and then he found out it was a fucking white guy. Um, you'll recognize it. He pops up a lot as like, he's usually like the parent's friend in like movies. Um, he he made The Cove. <laughs> like he directed The Cove, which is very weird. Oh, did he? he, he oh, like yeah. he's gone on to become a very successful a, director. Um, Academy Award winning documentary. Yes. If you haven't seen it, it's amazing mm-hmm. and really heartbreaking. So yes. about um, dolphins and them being killed. Um, um, but yeah, that's what he does now. Like he still acts occasionally, but he has gone on to become a an incredibly he had to make successful. Make up for that poor decision oh, in yeah, his I guess career. So. Um, 
you got some other uh, i mean brian matthews is todd leah ayers is michelle cropsey himself is played by lou david most of these people you'll recognize from other 80s movies this was a big enough and movie that these people did other things right exactly um no one other than those three Three, really went on to have super like crazy successful careers um there's not really a main character if i had to pick it'd probably be alfred brian backer (laughs) who plays like the nerd kid that everyone picks on it's really awkward because like he's really creepy and like in love with one of the girls and so he like kind of stalks her the whole time and he like peeps on her when she's in the shower i'd say like him and todd are like the main characters yeah todd is the other camp counselor he's like the like really strong can do everything um, there's also this guy named Glazer, played by Larry Joshua, oh. who really not the best actor, looks like a caveman. All does... the guys on this movie suck, except for Jason Alexander. He's fine. Jason Alexander doesn't do anything. Todd is fine. He's yeah. like your generic, like, white bread hero dude. Yeah. Um, all the other guys are fucking Oh my suck. god, they're, they're all terrible. terrible. All terrible. They all, like, really force themselves on women. No, like, after thank he... god the women always shut them down they're like yeah. no i'm not ready go away and like yeah. but like that guy in the fucking pond when they're skinny dipping i was like holy shit i hate yeah. this guy so much no and then but then you have freaking alfred peeping on them and ben's like i don't know who i want to die more all the guys suck he's like no wonder women think that all guys are disgusting these are the movies they watch these guys fucking suck i hate all of them when are they gonna die i bet they're gonna kill the girl first he was like getting really mad he's well, like, they're gonna kill the girl it's super upsetting that they do kill the girl yeah. girl first i'm like that guy's a piece of shit kill him yeah. first and so yeah the guys are awful in this which you know we've talked about before kind of makes it more gratifying when they die yeah um but I mean, you have to have that and so that's part of like the push and play with your killer and slashers and what makes slashers so fun for i think everybody but in particularly that's one of the things ryan and i love mm-hmm. is that you kind of go back and forth depending on your characters rooting for your uh, characters and rooting for your killer. Yep. Like you have to have, if you only had characters you loved and didn't want to die, you would never root for your killer. You're yeah. never going to root for your killer and you're never going to want to see a sequel. Because you're going to be like, no, don't come back. Like, Don't you're, kill my characters. There, There's no way for the film to have any sense of lightheartedness. And although slashers are super brutal... Uh, they're always telling another story, either a coming-of-age story or a comedy or a romance. It's not just a horror movie. Mm -hmm. It is another story within that um, when you break away from the killer. So if you don't have something that makes you want to root for your killer, you can't have a franchise. You can't have a slasher icon. So... You gotta have those scummy guys. Yeah, they can be like, get him, Cropsy! Fucking murder him! Chop his head off! And there's, like, four really shitty scummy guys in this. Um, and it's implied that the rest suck, too. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely a slasher. It's a summer slasher. Um, teen Scream-ish. Yeah, camp. But camp, yeah. It's yeah. that hardcore, that camp. And you know what's funny? When I say, like, when I think, oh, I want to watch a summer, I think this before Friday. Same. Because Friday never gives me that, like, camp feeling. Because camp doesn't exist and, yet. Yeah, or yeah. it's already over yeah or their star the counselors are coming back to get camp camp started and you i i just recently rewatched all the friday the 13th um and there is there is one actually that gave me it's not a summer camp movie but it's the one one with the Corey. the one after because it's the one where he like comes back and it's like kind of a rehab but like they're in the camp like it's but it's all teens and like uh, and it takes place in the woods and stuff. It's the one after where Cor- it's Corey Feldman's character grown up. 
Oh. Um, that one to me felt like an actual. I think like, it's been a while movie. since I've seen that one, but I remember when I watched. What is the one with Corey Feldman? Four. Four. No, not four. Five. five. It's New, five. Five. Yeah. Um, I remember thinking like, oh, because they have like the uh, more of like a party scene. Oh, you know what? One. No, that one does think, too. Yeah. That one does too. I think that's the first one where I really felt like it had more of like a controlled environment. Yeah. Where you feel more like it's a teen scream. Yeah. Um, Get more teen. teen I mean, there's like one that is like called about a biker gang, um, which is one of my favorites. But it's not a summer like slasher movie. That's to me. four. Three. I think. Three. I think it's I don't 3D. Know. I can't remember. Yeah, um, sounds familiar. The iconic weapon is definitely the shears. It's the only weapon he uses, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yes, we love, love having, that. Yeah, love having a killer with one weapon. Um, well, okay. He does almost oh. use a flamethrower. Yeah. <laughs> a makeshift flamethrower. No, okay. I was, so in that scene, I'm like, I'm not, I'll play like a typical girl car, card and say not really familiar with many weapons at all. Like, that's not my thing. Um, and so I'm like looking at it and I'm thinking in my head like flamethrower or torch and I was like, is that a flamethrower? I'm like, but it's not throwing flames. And so I'm like, what is that? And Derek's like, it's a, it's a flamethrower, I think, like kind of. And I'm like, mm, is it? Are you sure? It's like, I'm like, but, you know, where are the flames going? They're not being thrown. So I don't get it. No, it's, it's a, still a flamethrower. Why is that the name of because it? Because it's throwing the flamethrower. No, it's forward. not. It's yes. still attached to its device. It's not, well, it's not a blowtorch. It's like. It no, looks like a, a torch. It's a flamethrower. I think a flamethrower should be where the Where it flame... launches fireballs. Yes. Like, um, I don't know. Like a catapult? Yeah, or, uh, I don't know. Is there some kind of weapon where, like, balls shoot out? In video games, okay, yeah. So <laughs> like, not real life. It needs life. to be, like, a potato shooter. <laughs> like a tennis on... ball. Like, it's yeah, a tennis yeah, yeah. ball. Yeah, but yeah, you yeah. Douse, like, fireball from uh-huh. Friends? Yeah. Where they like the tennis ball player? Yeah, okay. that's what I All think right, that's what a new flamethrower is. Okay. Uh, the killer himself is Cropsey. Uh, based on, the, as we said, the New York urban legend, um, they do a whole opening scene that, like, sets up, like, he's this groundskeeper that, like, the people at Camp Blackfoot don't like, so they're going to play this prank on him. They don't like him because he's a mean alcoholic who <laughs> drinks, word for word, two handles of whiskey a night. <laughs> Which is fucking insane. Uh, you would be dead. But, or you'll be cropsy. Or you'll be cropsy. So they go and they put this, like, really gross, disgusting, maggot-infested skull in his cabin and like they start banging on his window and wake him up and w- the skull gets knocked over onto his bed and that's like he catches on fire um and then he comes back to wreak havoc on them five years later five years later um, true slasher formula yep we set up we have our killer and our origin story um we're missing the family aspect in this film yep um but besides that, um, and then we have a period of time when they come back. Twist! Todd was one of the kids who um, was in there mm-hmm. and lit him on fire. And, you know, they try and make that a twist, but I feel like we all knew that. I feel like we all knew that. And then when they did that, it almost just made it more confusing. Because yeah. it's like, wait, is he flashbacking or is Cropsy yeah. flashbacking? <laughs> Who's flashbacking? Uh, but it is Todd. It works. I mean, yeah. I think it's it's very tried and true. It's mm-hmm. he's Jason Voorhees. I mean, he's yeah. he's Freddy Krueger. He's all these guys that had some vindictive like thing happen to they them. They were and, bad. Yeah. And the town or the kids or the whoever took initiative to get rid of them. I mean, Jason or do wasn't something bad. bad. Jason was mentally like deranged. 
well, no, he was like phys- he was physically he's physically deformed. deformed. His mom came back. The right, kids yes. were bad to him. His yes. mom comes back. So it's your classic him. like slasher, like yeah, uh, like you know, I know we keep saying this, but it's just so true. It's like hardcore '80s formula, man. Yeah. Like there was there was the formula matters. Yeah, and it worked. So it kept getting used over and over again. So Cropsey and Cropsey has come has gone to become an iconic character. Okay. Um, I'm wearing a t-shirt right now that has Cropsey on it, which is awesome. Let me see. Right there. Got Cropsey. Yeah. It's it's a t-shirt with a bunch of, like, famous killers, and uh, it's also got Harry Warden on it, which I love. And Sam! And Sam from Trick or Treat, which was the main reason I bought it. Even though he kind of doesn't need to be on the shirt. Because he's not a slasher. Yeah, but but I think Cropsey works. I think, again, you know, like you take a step down from the upper echelon of slashers and he's the next one on the list it's like him harry warden and you know um chucky i guess i think leatherface shouldn't be up there with all those other guys either but no. um like right in there right in that range so uh Cropsey himself has gone on to become was a very famous urban legend on the east coast and has gone on to become a very famous figure in uh slashers there are nine kills but Right up front, I'll just say this movie is very famous because there is a scene where Cropsey just fucking murks a whole raft full of kids. It's, it is amazing. It's, I mean, it's one of my favorite scenes words. in a slasher it is. movie. Yeah, I, I mean, take away this entire movie and everything else that it does really well, mm-hmm. and you just have this scene. If the rest of the movie was pure trash, uh. it'd be a good movie. I yeah. mean, you could not. It is. It's in the middle of fucking day. It's. Oh my god! It's just beautiful. It's so so. In and the, it's so. I. I mean, I can't think of another movie that's done something like this. No, it it doesn't. It doesn't ever happen like this. So I mean, it starts off. He kills a hooker when he comes out of the hospital. He's kind of like figuring out who he is. Um, and so he's like testing it out. Yeah, and he grabs a pair of scissors, which, you know, eventually evolve into the shears. shears. Yeah, and he stabs her in the stomach, knocks her out of the window, and then we uh, are transferred to the camp, like, setting. Um, and we do get a couple kills before... No, I don't think we do, actually. I think it's all five. But, yeah, it is. Yeah. So, so because the movie, actually, I, I was discussing with one of the writers on... Uh, for Ghastly Grinning, which is my website, um, and he was like, oh, the movie's kind of a slog, and I was like, no, it's not. Uh-uh. And, I, and he's like, yeah, like, I just really remember the rest scene. I was like, no, dude, like, it, like, the movie, like, it's true, there is, like, a solid dry spell, but I think it's all good setup because you know what characters you're supposed to root for and which characters you're rooting against by this point. Um, oh, there is one kill before this because he kills that girl the night before. So that's Karen. Um, because she's skinny dipping. Um, and like it gives us this whole setup and like it builds tension because there's a couple times where like there's this girl her name is tiger yeah um, yeah there's she, some weird name choices yeah, in this film uh tiger woodstock well there's a shower scene yeah there's a shower scene you get the scene where tiger's in the woods and cropsy almost kills her um you get a lot of cropsy like um like staring at people you also From get his like pov yeah. yeah there's also some like kind of red herring stuff because alfred is built up to be this like weird character who like feels very ostracized and he's watching people um, potentially he might be doing things or right. not sure how he's involved so or... karen dies one night she's skinny dipping she like turns down the guy who's trying to hook up with her and she like cropsy spreads her clothes all out through the woods so she finally gets some and Cropsy stabs her um th- slits her throat with the garden shears and then our next setup is the next morning 
they were looking for Karen. They can't find her. They realize that their rafts are missing. Um, someone has cut their their canoes. Well, so and like and floated as, down river. Yeah, yeah. Aside to this, um, they're when they do like the building up, and you, we have our quote unquote dry spell where we don't have kills. Um, I do agree. I mean, I'm full solid on the. If you don't have your foundation of characters where you get to know them and there's a story besides your killer, if it's a movie like this, mm-hmm. um, it's different if it's something like Silent Night, Deadly Night where we're focused on our killer. Right. Um, this, we're focused on the camp kids. Mm-hmm. And if I don't know anything about them and they don't have any scenes where they're not being stalked and it's just them in fear, I'm going to be bored. Yeah. Because I'm, I don't, you have no connection. and. My biggest problem with some of these films from this era is they don't spend enough time letting you get to know these characters, and this film does that. So it makes it better because you're never bored or like, God, why? what's happening? Where's Cropsy? I want to know what's kind of going on between the camp counselors. I mm. want to know if that fucking, what is his name? Glazer. Glazer. Like, yeah. I want to know what he's up to and what he's trying to do and well, who's and it's, gonna it's interesting well and it's also what sets it's what makes this feel the most like a summer camp slasher because we see them swimming on the docks and yeah. like pulling pranks on each other we see them in the mess hall uh, yeah we see them in the mess hall we see them literally telling a campfire story about Cropsy. Yes. um so we get a full like you are 100 percent fully because that is one thing i agree with you like a Especially with this setting of a slasher. There, a lot of the times you'll run into this problem where I'm like, it's like, it's a summer camp, but then the first kill happens and I'm like, I can't, like, nothing about this makes me feel like a summer camp anymore because as soon as the first kill happens, like, you lose all control of that. And I love, like, if you were to watch the first 30 minutes of this movie, 40 minutes of this movie, well, it's only an hour and 20 minutes, like 30 minutes. No, like 30, 40 minutes. Whatever. With, without Cropsy, it just seems like an 80s comedy. Yeah. Like one of those, like, it's vi- like. They play baseball. Right, and... so Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah. Like, it was, it's 100% what Wet Hot American Summer parodied. It, like, mm-hmm. feels like all of those movies, like, so much. Um, and I love that. I do too. And so I do, and, like, my. The reason why I say that, because I think that is important. But then also, there's a lot of young counsel, like, young kids, mm-hmm. um, much, like, not teenagers, like, we're talking like 10, 11, like preteen age. And they make a point to have the older kids yeah. go to an island. And I like that they did that because it it gives it's it's a, it seems might be like unnecessary or kind of silly, but it's a way to get a specific group of kids away from everybody else yep. where you're not like sitting there going like where the fuck are all the F- this is a huge camp. Where yeah. are all those where kids that were in the everyone? mess hall? Where yeah. is everyone? You lose you don't I hate that when you get taken out and go like, all right. With with certain things, you do have to like not look too into it and just like take the movie for what it is. But when there are just simple decisions made like that, it really does like up the quality of films when mm-hmm. they think about it. Like, all right, how are you going to explain how all of the all of these kids that are in this mess hall aren't around? Right. They took them away from that environment and, and enabled them to have a big summer camp. Uh-huh. But then also have teenagers doing teenager things. And like, isolated. And isolated. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I think that's what made the movie even creepier because you're taking them away from this, like, fun camp environment and they're going to, like, canoe out to this island, basically. And then that's where, like, all the shit goes down. So yeah. I think that's a really strong point of this film, too. And it's true. It does feel like 
like any 80s I don't know why the 80s were so obsessed with summer camp but they were Uh, and the 90s too I grew up thinking like summer camp was a normal thing yeah me too I never went to one ever well, okay. I had some friends who went to like summer camp during the day at the park. Right. And so but there I was think never like you're gone for two weeks. Two things. One, we're in California. We're on the West Coast. We're on the West Coast. Yeah. And I don't, that's not really a thing. I think it's a very East Coast thing. I think thing. it's a super East Coast thing. Like remember Bug Juice on Disney Channel? Yeah, I love Bug Juice. Yeah, me too. Uh, so one, we are not uh, on the East Coast. Two, we do not come from any sort of means. So even if there was summer camp, we'd have to like qualify for the assisted program because <laughs> our mothers are teachers and hella poor. Yeah, that's true too. Um, so there's that. We do not come from wealth. And thirdly, like a lot, which you can tell a lot of these actors are Jewish. Um, there was no wardrobe for this um, entire movie. All the kids wore what their own clothing. Um, that is a very common thing for like certain people of like certain religions. Gotcha. So they would go like yeah. Jewish summer camp. Yeah. Like you go to Christian. We there was a oh, summer yeah, camp. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I um, still know people yeah. who do Christian summer yeah. camp. So yeah. Chris, so so that's that's another thing. We're like we're poor. Not re- yeah. We're not religious. Yeah. And, and we're, we're on the West Coast. So apparently, all those things add up to no yeah, summer to no camp. Summer for camp. Us. Um. So we get the hooker, and then we get Helen or <laughs> Karen. Hooker. Um, and then, sorry, I've been told by my wife, by the way, sorry, to not call them hookers, um, sex worker. We get the sex worker. Um, and then Karen. And then we get, I think it's five kids killed on this raft, if not more. But I think it's five. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Um, their names are Fish, Woodstock, Barbara, Eddie, and Diane. Uh, this whole scene is great because, so it's kind of like the younger kids and then they throw Woodstock in there. It's like younger and background characters, and they throw Woodstock on there because Woodstock has spent most of the movie being like comedic relief, so you do have a connection to and him. And the creepy guy. And there. then like that creepy guy who like um, tried to make the girl sleep with him while skinny dipping the night before. And they're going out and they because they see this canoe and they're like, oh, it's one of our canoes, one of our canoes. So they take this raft over the canoe. Um, they're rowing over to it, and Cropsey is hiding on it. He just pops up, shears blazing literally goes on this murder ramp it's one of the best scenes you have to find it there is a burning kill count on youtube if you get a chance you can even look up yeah. just this kill count i mean he stabs we'll the shears straight into the creepy kid's neck he cuts off woodstock's fingers he slices his girl's head open it's a huge gash just blood like the the shots of the shears like in the open air just like literally blood flying off of them and it's like it's complete in utter carnage for two full minutes. And just, okay, think about this. If you, what, one part I really like about this scene is like one of the girls he hits first, um, and then she's still alive when he chops off Woodstock's fingers and goes in the neck. So she's watching this happen, but she's been injured. She can't go anywhere. She's like laying down on the raft. So she just knows her, it's about to come to her. So even that just feels like, like I said, it's like the middle of the day. Like. Yeah, it's on this river. Like they're like they're going back to get help. It's completely unsuspecting. Like really, you don't know. Even as a horror fan, you watch this and you're like, oh, they're gonna find a dead body in there. Yeah. Like you oh, don't they're gonna think find. He's gonna pop up. Yeah, and then they're just gonna find kill Karen. Four people at one time. Five. He kills five fucking people all at once. It's insane. It's like I cannot think of another horror movie where someone just goes on this murderous rampage right in front of you. Like yeah, I've seen a couple horror movies where like you come across 
across the murder scene afterwards and then you get like you know fla like flashbacks and stuff but this is just insane um it's great the next uh eddie no eddie is on the boat diane's on the boat um no, it's three. only four kids. On oh, the it boat. is four kids on the yeah. boat. Diane's the next one. So Diane sleeps with Glazer. Um, she, she gives in to his like. Yeah, she's also by far like the prettiest girl at the summer camp. Um, and she gives in to Glazer. Who knows why? And Glazer leaves, and he comes back, and he finds out that her head has been sliced off. Um, Sally dies somewhere in the middle of all this. We don't know how she dies, but her body does pop up later. Uh, Glazer's the next to go. This is a very like giallo kill. Because he comes and the, the shears go straight through his neck. So we get a shot of Cropsy holding the shears through his neck. Like Glazer holding onto the shears. And Cropsy, from his point of view, driving uh, Glazer into a tree. Um, Fucking Alfred just creeping. Yeah, so watching. at this point, Alfred has, um, like, he was following Glazer because he's obsessed with Diane. Um, so he was following him because he knows that Glazer's hooking up with her. He sees this, runs back to get Todd, and Todd's like, okay, is this like a stupid prank? And Todd shows up and realizes it's not and finds Glazer dead. And this kind of, like, kicks into the climax of the movie, um, where... Yeah, Cropsy, like, hits Todd, like, Knocks him out, head. yeah, and starts chasing Alfred, and then, um, what's her name? What's the other, the girl's name? I can't remember. The Michelle? The other counselor? Yeah, Michelle is, like, going back to the camp to get help. Uh, from, like, the main... From the main camp, yeah. yeah. So, at this point, it's pretty much, because everyone else is dead, it's just Todd and Albert. Um, or Alfred. Alfred runs like a goofball, but apparently however he runs also makes him, like, the fastest runner in the entire world. Because he's sprinting through those woods. And then he comes across this, like, this was one of the weirdest parts of the movie for me. Like, uh, an abandoned mining shaft? Yeah. Um super weird like he gets there and i'm like is this a fucking castle like where did he end up like it's just ruins yeah. and then there's all this sheet metal and they go inside and it's a mine shaft uh which is apparently where cropsy has like hold himself up um so cropsy is like has trapped alfred um and todd comes to save the day and like cropsy's running around with his fucking flamethrower or his flame launcher not a flamethrower um, and he's about to kill Todd when Alfred stabs him in the back with his own shears. Um, and then Alfred fucking lights him on fire. Um, well, yeah, after Todd, like, goes straight for his head with an axe. Yeah, like, um, this is when we first, this is when we finally see Cropsy, um, after the, the burns. It's awesome. It, it's, we, in this whole movie, we probably see Cropsy for a screen time total, like, a minute and a half. Yeah. Um, it looks super cool. I love it. Like we said, like the burn, like burns are super hard to recreate, but it's really creepy, really effective, really well done. He's super terrifying. Um, it's cool because, I mean, it is like you can tell it's a Jason knockoff, but it's just so much when you can take something like that and turn it into something your own, because um, it's very Jason inspired. Mm -hmm. um, but just like. It's just so well done, like, the the burn effects, and, like, I, I love that it's just, like, this guy, which is why, like, I don't like, I mean, I love Freddy, but, like, I don't like when they started giving, like, Jason and Michael these weird, like, supernatural, mm -hmm. like, aspects, so I'm like, no, I love that it's just a pissed off guy, and, like, because, of, like, he's literally so mad, it makes him stronger, like, it makes him, like, more dangerous, and that's what I like about Cropsy, too, um, and the movie basically ends with Cropsy, like, kind of in this, like, cross imagery burning alive again um 
So, what's your favorite kill? Oh, I mean, The Raft. Yeah, it has like, to be. It has to be. Has That's, to be. Um, yeah, one of the greatest kill scenes in any slasher ever. Absolutely, yeah. And... I mean, it's the scene that, like, sometimes... Because I've only seen this movie, not three times. And yeah. it's definitely, like, I'll forget little things. Mm-hmm. Um, that scene never goes away. No. I'm always like, oh, like, I was... And I didn't tell... You get excited. I really, yeah, I wanted to actually, like... I was like, what's her reaction going to be? Because she has watched enough horror movies with me to be like, was oh, there a fucking dead body in there? Yeah. And then, like, Cropsy fucking pops up, and she was like, holy shit, he's in there? And then, like, we're watching, and she's like, oh, my God, what's happening? Because it's just, like, so, like... Like, as, as, when you've watched so many horror movies, too, and especially, like, I came across this after watching, like, you know, Scream and Halloween, which are some of my absolute favorite movies of all time, but, like, there's not a murder spree in any of those movies. Like, no. Michael is very singular. Very slow. V- very slow. His kills are Methodic. not graphic at all. No. Ghostface's kills are a little more brutal, a little more savage, but it's never, like, this frantic. <laughs> um, although Ghostface has the chases which i love um but so much running yeah but uh it's just amazing it's it's just so fucking cool yeah i mean i think of any of the uh slasher icons the only one who does anything like this rightfully so is jason Uh uh um and you know where he'll kill multiple people at a time yeah um usually two usually why they're having sex yep but um all the other killers, even Freddy, is way, it's really solo, really yep. about, like, and that's part of what makes those killers scary. Is it, So it's a, sort of a different philosophy. Like, with Michael, you, Halloween scared me to fucking death because it's just a random guy stalking you. And there's so much, like, he's so methodical, just, like, watching, like, through the sheets. Like, that's part of what makes Halloween one of my favorite movies is... That's so creepy to mm-hmm. me. That's so terrifying. Freddy, a nightmare is so scary because you can't escape him. He's right. in your dreams and he's taking what you are afraid of and presenting it to you and stalking you in your dreams. Somebody like Jason, it's a different, it's not this one person focusing on you, focusing what you're afraid of or, or you know, really trying to go after you or who you care about. Jason's literally like, Hey, you're here. You're having a fun time. Fuck you. I'm going to kill you and all your friends. Yeah, Jason and, and Cropsey, too, yes. are very primal. Like, yes. it's literally, like, murder. I see you. I kill yeah. you. Yeah, exactly. It's just murder for the sake of murder. There's no, like, toying with you. No. There's no fucking around with you. There's no, like, setting up these things to, like, it's, mess with you. It's, it's literally like, yeah. body kill. Which is why that rap scene is so great because it truly, like, shows off, like, yeah, he doesn't care if there's five of you, he like or four of you, or one of you. He's going to kill everyone yeah. he runs into. Um, position in the horror landscape, it, it, like we've stated numerous times, it's a Friday the 13th ripoff. I think it's the most successful Friday the 13th ripoff. I think it is better than a majority of the Friday the 13th movies. It's better than Friday the 13th. Yes. I think it is a better summer slasher than Friday the 13th. Um, I think it just feels like more summer um, than those movies do. Um I think it is still underrated mm-hmm. uh, as far as like general horror fans. It is like, a cult film yeah, for sure. Yeah, very much a cult classic. And I think it's, I truly do think like for me, it is number one, the movie I suggest to people when they're like, oh, I've watched the basic slashers, what's next? It has always, like since I have seen it, it is mm-hmm. that movie. Um, and most people I know who are slasher fans, it is also on that list. Um <sighs> 
Now we have to rank it. Ugh, so I don't want to. At the end of every episode, we do rank them, um, the the movies that we watch. Uh, right now, uh, we are. This is going to be our seventeenth movie. Uh, number one is still My Bloody Valentine from 1981, followed by Happy Death Day, Urban Legend, My Bloody Valentine 3D, 2009, um, Hatchet, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Bay of Blood, My Super Psycho Sweet 16, Most Likely to Die, Intruder, Hellbent, Blood Rage, Curtains, Terror Train, Slaughter High, and April Fool's Day. Um, coming in at number 16 is April Fool's Day. Um, hmm. Man man i don't want to uh this is why we've actually stayed yeah. away from a lot of the slashers that we love because it's really really hard mm-hmm. um so man <laughs> i okay so to look at it from the aspect that we look at we've looked at all of our slashers um we have to look at like so we look at effective like you know i think from a creative standpoint, I think the score is weird, not super effective, still good. Mm-hmm. Mm, hits when it needs to, but doesn't always, like, isn't super effective um, for the stuff outside of murder. Um, I think the poster is amazing. <laughs> uh-huh. I think that it's 100% like appropriate of the era. Like, the killer is, like, I don't take any. F- like anything away from the basicness of the killer because that's 100% like the time um and it was it was a knockoff I don't know like it's so hard because I look at this I'm like this is a movie that was a knockoff and is realistically better than what it was was knocking off and like because of unfortunate circumstances it came out and never got the praise like it rightfully deserved um I think the killer is awesome I love Cropsey I love great. that he has an iconic weapon. Yeah. Iconic and it's weapon. Super effectively great used. Great background. Yeah. Um, great great background. motive. Yep. Uh, the kills are awesome. Uh, Spectacular I mean, kills. Yeah. The kills are just super cool. Even like outside Legend of the raft kill. Special effects. Yeah. Um, I think. Man. It's really good. And it's. I really want to put it at number two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah. has to. Okay, I put it. Yeah. At, um, it's just, it's so, yeah. like, there are so many things we talk about when we've talked about these movies, and, like, when we really, really start, like, getting into the nitty-gritty, we'll start, like, nitpicking at things, like, well, what was, like, the killer, like, the motive yeah. here, and the motive here, and, like, these things, but, like... Also, I think the POV in this movie is something we haven't gotten a lot of, and I think that's really great, mm-hmm. and I think it makes, because we don't see Cropsey until the very end, I think it helps build the creepiness of yes. him. Yes. Um, I love that random hospital scene that we get for like a minute. I think that really helps like you be kind of like, what the fuck does this guy look like? What is, what had happened? Oh, and the scene after where he like goes with the prostitute and like he's wearing his trench coat and he's wearing his hat and he's in the shadows. I actually thought the music during that scene was great. There's like the, like the lightning effect and she finally sees him and she's super creeped the fuck out and she's like, what are you? We always talk about like, do we care about our cast? Do they did they matter? Like our survivors, we don't really have a, a we have a final so, boy. So that that was yeah. an, I did read when I was reading up on the movie. It's interesting. Like one thing that the writer wanted to do was he wanted a final boy instead of a final girl, just to kind of flip it on its head because he didn't want it to be a complete like one hundred percent send up of Friday. So he's like, well, what's a little different? We'll make it a final boy. And so Alfred is a super creep. 
Um, and it's not like I was really rooting for him, but we do get it's Alfred and Todd. So and you do, and Todd's really likable. Todd is incredible. Um, I agree, he's super likable. He handles like he's trying to he's trying to help Alfred out. Like he's disciplining him, like as a counselor and as a mentor, and being like, "Hey, man, you can't fucking do this. This you cannot look at girls in the shower. Yeah, he's you like, can't this is weird. People. This is creepy. You can't like, do this. But I get you're being bullied, and like I want to help you out, and you've got to talk to me. And he's very respectful to Michelle. The like other counselor who maybe they're involved maybe they're not it's kind of like obviously has a lot of respect for her and so like really he's like your good old boy and Mm -hmm. it's funny because like iconically um nightmare on elm street 2 um Mm -hmm. tried to switch it up and have a final boy instead of a final girl and everybody thought it he was gay and and they treated him, the, the character who plays, like, the final boy is still a final girl, just a male, where right. they don't do that with Todd. They really make him more masculine. And, yeah, he, I mean, and, it's like you said, he is the good old boy. Yeah. And, like, and it's, I think what they do is interesting because, like, Michelle survives, so we do technically have a final girl, but she's never our final girl. There's a lot like, of survivors. Girl. Yeah. It's a huge camp. Only um, nine people are killed. Right, but our three, like, campers from the main group that we watch are two guys and a girl and michelle's barely involved like realistically todd and alfred are our final boys yeah um and alfred is like this you know like he is the nerd character um so they do flip things Mm -hmm. a little bit they gender swap things a little bit which is interesting yeah um it's just when the reason i have like i have to put it here is when you look just like with my bloody valentine like literally just like it when you look at the formula of a slasher that works like the when you have and i'm not saying it's every slasher has one blueprint that works but when you have like let's say you have 10 blueprints that in general are successful like this is one of them Uh like it does the things it is it gives you this anonymous killer that you know something is wrong it gives you a slight red herring there are like these sexual antics there are um i think it's like the, like you said the setting the summer setting like it feels it does such a good job at feeling like summer that like mm-hmm. the director and like honestly the crew probably don't get enough credit for what they did to make it capture that um and cropsy is just like one of the most underrated slashers ever 100 percent uh he's based on a real urban legend which makes him an even cooler killer mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's just so much to go on about this film. Um, and, you know, like we said, we have to look at it for all the things we, we dissect. But the fucking kills, man. Yeah, no. I mean, it's When it just... comes down to it, it's like all these other things are working, and then you get the kills. Yeah. And, I mean... Which is why other movies, like, ranked so high went, like, Silent Night, Deadly Night, when they lacked in other things right. we're just like or even oh. hatchet because yeah. like the kills in hatchet are so amazing that movie doesn't have the best like character development no and, it, um, and it's a little campy yeah at, you know at it, times exactly um but, but it's like kills man. yeah and victor crowley is like it's one of the reasons crazy. urban legend is still number three on our list um like they're like those kills matter in a slasher movie yeah it's what it's why i watch the movie um so all cool. the other stuff is not a bonus uh burning will be our new number two you know what's weird though? It's like there was no question in my head. I'm like, well, it's not better than my bloody Valentine. No. Like there was like not even for a second did I have any struggle with that. I was like, it's not better than my bloody Valentine. My uh, and part of that is like my bloody Valentine is an original. 
Um, I mean, it's post-Halloween, so technically it's it exists because Halloween exists. Right. I mean, not te- like 100% that's why this movie exists. But My Bloody Valentine, I've, man, go back. If you haven't listened to that episode, um, both Ryan and I were very surprised when we really dissected it and, and knew we really liked the movie, mm-hmm. but just didn't realize how excellent it was and how um important, important yeah. it is to the slasher genre and mm. that's why the although the burning does do that formula great mm. um my bloody valentine um is the creator of that formula yeah. and um really pinned it in every perfect way possible so it's just that movie it's gonna be hard to be and the kills on both of those though like i feel like yeah. the kills in both these movies are particularly brutal yeah Um, which I think that's part of the reason we always drift back to the 80s, because the 80s did that a lot. And, I mean, honestly, that's where most of our slushers are from. Yeah. So we all, I mean, obviously they exist in uh, in other um, departments, but... uh, We'll spend a lot of time in that decade. We're probably going to head back out, but we had to uh, touch on... No, I mean, overall, like, when we're finally said and done with the podcast, who who knows when that'll be, but when we look, it's going to be It's going to be mostly... Oh, like, three-fourths of this is the 80s. Cool, so The Burning will be our new number two. Again, you can find that at keepstreaming.com, um, and then right up at the front, uh, or at the top, you can click the list. Uh, and we have our whole list there. We don't know what we're going to watch. We have a couple suggestions. Our producer um, and friend, Brennan Klein, uh, who also hosts the Scream 101 podcast, suggested Psycho Beach Party, which neither of us have seen, which I guess is kind of like a send-up of numerous genres, but Slasher is one of them. Um, and that's another summer one, so I... I think we're going to stick with the summer theme. Yeah, we definitely want to go yeah. summer. We're both huge fans of summer in general, so yeah. we kind of want to stick it out. So we're going to look, and if you have any suggestions, definitely let us know. Um, we are going to do Pro Friday. Yeah. Of, uh, some, uh, this one summer. Of yeah. Um, one of them. Um, I don't know if we're going to do one. Pro- we don't know. We yeah, haven't we made, that, we haven't made yeah. that decision we if we're going to jump around or if that's possible, if we can do that and it makes sense. But for sure, we're going to get to Friday this summer. Um, we are going to start integrating these bigger ones like The Burning because I know we've been doing a lot of like less known ones. Yeah, give props to um, B because we were like, what do we do? And she texts me finally. She's like, fuck it, let's do The Burning. And she's yeah. like, it's summer. We just, let's do it. And I'm like, it cool. It was literally 100 degrees on Tuesday. Like, yeah. we're, we're ready. So, um, yeah, we're, we're there. We're also, I got <laughs> got on Ryan this week. We're both really busy people. We have like a lot going on in our life. This 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 one over here in particular just like takes on a ton of shit. Um <laughs> And so we are going to, like, start scheduling out the films. Um, and I know you guys, like, reach out to us and ask us, like, do you guys know what you're doing yet? Because I know you want to watch them, and we want you to be able to, like, enjoy the podcast when it comes out and follow us and talk to us about it on Twitter. And having a couple weeks head notice on what we're watching helps. So yes. we are going to probably sit down and just schedule out, like, at least the next, like, four or five episodes. We're just going to schedule out when we watch yeah. it because B um, will, like, live Instagram feed that and mm-hmm. then um, – um, like you know like tweet and stuff so you guys will know when that's happening yeah. um and yeah we're gonna get better at that it's just it, it was a chaotic couple weeks yeah. um i think things are finally getting normal luckily summer does that a lot even though like we're adults and summer vacation doesn't exist it kind of summer tends to mellow out the world a little bit um because all those other areas of the world get mellowed out so Yeah, uh, we'll keep you updated. We'll let you know as soon as we know. And um, yeah, just follow us on all the social media and 
rate and review us and subscribe if you haven't already. And until then, keep screaming.